everybody, my name is Remy. Welcome to the For the Love podcast with your host, Jen Hatmaker, my mom. She writes books and speaks to crowds, but she mostly loves talking to amazing people on this podcast every week. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoy the show. Hey guys, Jen Hatmaker here, your host of the For the Love podcast. Welcome to the show this week. I'm really, really glad you're here because we are kicking off a brand new series. Gosh, I always love the start of a new series. It's just time. Like it's spring. Um, the weather is starting to turn. We're sort of shaking off the cobwebs of of winter and the doldrums. And it's more sunshine, time to be outside, check in kind of with the ways that we either are or are not caring for ourselves. I'm real obsessed with this idea of caring for ourselves in a nurturing way. This is kind of fresh information to me that I am deeply ingesting myself. And so I am very committed um, to putting some of the best practitioners in front of you and thinkers in this space that um, can sort of go against the grain to toxic diet culture and body shame culture that we're just immersed in. So we today are going to start with someone who has done really important and refreshing work in nutritional health. Don't panic. Do not hear nutritional health and think, nope, I don't want to be on a diet. We're talking opposite of diet today. Um, I feel the same exact way. You're going to love this conversation. She's going to educate us about ways to literally nourish our brains and our bodies, not just punish, right? So I'm happy to have Haley Goodrich on today. So she's, she's in Pittsburgh. She's a dietitian and nutrition therapist. She's the owner of Inspired Nutrition. We'll have all this linked. Haley is really passionate about helping other people cultivate a joyful and a peaceful relationship with their bodies. Um, and I'm into this right now. And I promise you, that's, that's what we talk about. She specializes in intuitive eating and body image healing, eating disorder recovery. We're going to talk about all that today. What you're really going to like is uh, her perspective is called health at every size. I'm telling you that it is the opposite of what we are normally fed. She is very much um, a different sort of leader. She absolutely does not subscribe to diet culture in any of the toxic ways that we have just been so mean to ourselves and punished our bodies. And um, this is like a, a healthy and a pure approach. And I loved our conversation. I mean, I was taking some notes as we were going because there were several things I really, really wanted to think about. But um, if you've ever felt betrayed and let down by the diet culture bandwagon, this is your episode. Um, if you're interested in finally making peace um, with the body that you live in, I think you're gonna love you're gonna love everything you hear Haley say today. It's 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 refreshing and it's liberating. And I just found myself thinking, yes, why don't more people teach us like this? Why isn't this the prevailing um, approach to health? And of course, as she and I also talked about. There is a multi-billion dollar industry out there capitalizing on our body shame. So it has a lot of enemies, but I think this is a wonderful conversation and I hope it encourages you and I hope it um, sets your feet on a really healthy path and um, helps you lay down some shame and some guilt. I know it did me. And so I am really, really glad that we are starting with Haley as we kick off this brand new series on health. And by the way, the series is all kinds of health. We're going to talk about mental health. We're going to talk about spiritual health. Um, today, we happen to be talking about nutrition health, but um, it's all in there. I'm thinking holistically about our bodies and minds and souls when I say the word health. And so this series is going to be super smoking hot and you're going to love it. And I'm happy to kick it off today with Haley Goodrich. I am really, really glad to um, have you on the show today, Haley. Thank you for saying yes to this invitation. I am so delighted to be here, Jen. Thank you so much for asking me. You're welcome. I, this, this conversation is really, really important. Um, and for me in this podcast based with my, with my team, we're very, very committed. Um, when it comes to anything like 
body, body image, health, nutrition related to only put experts and clinicians in front of our listeners who we believe have just the healthiest approach to their field. Um, we're very committed to stepping out of the body shaming space. And, and of course, we're going to get into all this. But we have just found your work to be nourishing and nurturing and against the grain of what a lot of your colleagues probably their sort of approach to your field. And so I'm really excited to get into all of this with you. Mm, thank you so much. I'm, I'm, again, just really excited to be here. And I'd like to take just a few moments to acknowledge a few things before we begin. These okay. conversations can be tricky and uncomfortable. They can be different from maybe the view that a lot of other people hold. Um, so, you know, it's my responsibility to share with everyone that I am aware that I hold privileges and have aspects of my life which are unearned and can easily be taken for granted, especially in the culture we live in, such as being white, thin-bodied, having the ability to walk and see, have a college degree, a safe home, financial stability. Yeah. So to the best of my ability, I'm going to keep these things in the forefront of my thoughts when speaking. No human's body experience is less important than anybody else's. However, simply acknowledging that I don't know more about anybody else's story than they do is very important. Mm. My perspective and everything I'll be talking about today has been informed by my lived experience, by other allies, and from the work of and labor of those who are more marginalized than myself. Mm. Thank you for saying that. That is a, I don't know if disclaimer is the right word, but sort of an acknowledgement that I very rarely hear in any field. I mean, be it whether we're talking about um, physical health, like we will be today, but also mental health, spiritual health. Um, uh, it's 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 shockingly challenging to um, take ownership of privilege. Uh, it's just kind of a blind spot, frankly, um, for people who can get to operate sort of in the mainstream with those sort of unearned um, advantages. So thank you. I really appreciate you saying that. Um, and I, I want all my listeners to hear that too, that um, you very deeply are coming from a place of understanding, which is, this is my experience. Um, and it's not exactly like yours. And I, I really appreciate that. So I've, I've told our listeners a little bit about who you are, and, and your credentials. And so I would love to just take a moment first, like I mentioned a minute ago, I really want to commend you on the work that you're doing and the way that you're doing it. Um, you are positively sort of going against the tide in your own field to affirm that bodies come in all shapes and sizes and we can pursue health at any size. Um, and we're not excluded from living a healthy life based on these social norms that we've been, well, really receiving since we were little, little girls. Um, it's just really beautiful. So I wonder if for just a minute, you could talk a little bit more about your health at every size approach to nutrition. Like, what does that mean exactly? And I'm curious if there are more dietitians doing this kind of work besides you. Yes. And I'm in no way the only person um, talking about this or practicing from this paradigm. Um, not the first. I won't be the last. I and I'm not even an expert. I'm, I'm one who's still learning very much. However, I'm here to learn and fumble and share and keep learning and keep fumbling. So um, yeah, let's dive into health at every size, which may or may not be a term that some of you have heard of. Um, but it is a social justice movement, first of all. Um, it's also a way of practicing that creates inclusive and respectful care. Um, and it allows us to support people of all sizes and finding compassionate ways to take care of themselves. And I think um, one of the biggest maybe uh, misnomers out there, or kind of mix up of the word, is it's not to be confused with healthy at any size. That that why yeah. on the end of health makes a makes a pretty big difference because we're not saying that every person and every body is is healthy. We're saying that they have the right to health or to engage in mm. healthcare, have respectful healthcare, right? So health mm. at every size means we support 
all humans in all bodies and engaging in behaviors that are health promoting um, mm. that can influence their well-being without the focus on their body size, their shape or their weight. So just off the top of my head, things like that could be like not smoking, um, mm. moving, moving your body in a joyful way, eating a variety of foods, getting mm-hmm. sleep, reducing stress, right? All of these are sure anybody can engage in, um, and have nothing to do with that actual number on the scale. Right. Mm. And I think approaching it this way allows us to sort of, especially as practitioners, put these blinders on as if we were, um, going into seeing our clients, our patients, whoever we're working with. And we were pretending that everybody had this magical quote unquote BMI of 22 so that we're treating Mm. and giving all of our clients the, the same treatment as we would give somebody with, within that normal quote unquote normal weight range. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I, um, I really respond to that. You know, uh, obviously, you know, this at your field, we've just ingested such a narrow, um, target for what it looks like to be a woman in a body. And it's in my estimations, broken all of our hearts. I love that this is the way that you talk to women uh, and men. You're probably sure you have men clients too, um, on, on how to be healthy. I'm curious how you, how did you find your way into this? Like what was your front door into, um, your field and your work? And then even more specifically, how did you find your way into health at every size approach? I found my way into dietetics like many dietitians do. Um, and I don't know if this would be shocking or, or not shocking to, to a lot of your listeners, but I think many dietitians get into this, um, to learn as much as possible about food and better controlling their own health and body. Um, Hmm. and, and that's a hard truth. I mean, we have statistics now showing how many dietitians and dietetic students actually have a lot of their own, um, tricky relationship or troubled relationship Mm. with food and body. And I was also, yeah, it's, it's actually, it's pretty shocking to look at. Some of my colleagues are doing awesome research on this. Um, but I was, I was at a stuck point in my life where I really didn't know what I wanted to do. I was graduating, um, from Texas A&M university, huge transition time in my life. And I felt lost. I was afraid of messing up, taking the wrong path. Sure. I had no idea who I was at that point. I don't know who does. Um, Right. Good point. So I just thought to myself, well, I'll go into something that I'm quote unquote already really good at controlling, controlling weight and, or I thought I was good at and, and health, health outcomes. Um, So that's, I think what led me to go back to school to become a dietitian. And I didn't find health at every size until my internship. So um, for Mm. those listening who may not may not know dietitians have to undergo an internship before they're able to sit for their RD exam. Mm -hmm. Um, my internship was very weight centric. So traditional model. Um, Mm. but this copy of health at every size, the book by Linda Bacon fell into my lap and it resonated so deeply. And I started to just read and get my hands on everything that I possibly could. Hmm. Um, and after my internship, I graduated and a very traditional path is to, to become a clinical dietitian first. And mm-hmm. I tried my hand at that for about, well, I was there a full year, but I would say two months in, I knew very quickly that this, this is not, um, the path for Haley, lots of good work there. Um, but for me, I think I had something else. Um, mm. the universe had something else for me and I, I went mm-hmm. automatically to the path of entrepreneurship. Mm. Yeah. Okay. And so, uh, was it as straightforward as you hung out your own shingle and just dug in or did you sort of, how did that look for you? Mm-hmm. Starting a private practice. It was messy, messy, oh, messy, I bet. terrifying, terrifying mm-hmm. to, to quit your stable job and, um, to start your own gig that that's terrifying. So shout out to anybody who's, who's doing that yes. or thinking of doing that. It's more than possible, but yeah, don't let anybody fool you. It's, it's scary. Um, I I think also, you know, I had been reading health at every size and was sort of still feeling, um, I I was brand new to the field. So I remember opening 
my practice and the the first the clients I saw within that first year, I was kind of um, on the fence. I did this fence sitting mm. thing, which is also really common um, for those mm. who are starting to learn a little bit about um, a weight inclusive approach, where I would still weigh my patients, but we would not mm. also focus on weight, but we wouldn't be counting calories. It was sort of kind mm. of the both worlds. Um, Got it. And I remember feeling like I could see in my clients, I could see the shame that they were coming in with yeah. when they didn't lose yeah. weight or, or couldn't keep it off or couldn't do it consistently. Um, I started to feel shame myself because I actually didn't hold that magic secret um, to uh, successful yeah. weight loss that um, right. is put out there that people think dietitians and nutrition experts are to, yep. they're supposed to hold that. They're supposed to be able yeah. to tell people exactly what to do to get this ideal body. And I couldn't do that. And I, and I was thinking to myself, well, what is everybody else doing? Like, what, mm. what am I missing here? Um, and that's when I started to really learn from my clients, um, specifically clients who had bodies different than mine and what they had been yeah. through. Um, and that's how I really started to learn. Okay. So let's dig into some of the mechanics because my suspicion is that just about everybody listening, with a handful of exceptions, um, myself included, have jumped on the diet culture bandwagon. This is just, it feels ubiquitous to um, the community of women. It's hard not to, frankly, because it, it, this is just, this is the narrative that we have bought into for so long. And um, and as you mentioned earlier, kind of at the top of the show, it's hard to ignore the gravity that our culture assigns to being thin. I mean, that's not invented. That's real. That is that is a very real message that we receive loud and early. And so um, I, I'm at that point in my life. I'm 44. And I just, I hate diets. They make me feel so bad. Just the restriction, all, uh, the the constant counting and the weigh-ins. And as you just mentioned about some of your clients, just the feeling of inadequacy. I mean, it's great for a minute if it works, but the the fallout is inevitable just because they almost, almost all diets don't work in the long run, almost all, right? And so I'm just, my head knows this. And yet it's hard to convince my own self, like, why, why do we keep perpetuating the diet culture myth? We know from experience that at best, it's usually a temporary fix. And really, in reality, it ends up just being typically a real disappointment and that sort of yo-yo back and forth. And it contributes to all this body shame and just mental energy. And so I don't, I would just, I don't really know what my question is in here, except I'd just like for you to talk about your experience here. And why is it that you think this low hanging fruit of fast and easy diets or however they say yeah. is so enticing? Why do we keep picking it? I think there's, it's, there's multiple things here. I think, um, we live in a culture sort of, you were just alluding to this. We live in a culture that reinforces that our value as people, um, as humans, our worth lies in our appearance. Sure. Um, that thinness is the answer to all problems, right? So, you know, I'm going to get that, that raise, that dream job. We can prevent, quote, prevent cancer, having sure. perfect health, you know, like this is seen as the, the Holy grail is to be able to mm. have this thin and um, like like you said, it's it's this is something a message that is put in front of us from the time we are very very little. Um, it, it feels like something tangible that we could control, right? So mm-hmm. we are led to believe that this traditional weight centric model that we can, if we just try hard enough um, and have enough willpower that we can somehow all magically fit in the, the middle of that bell curve of body sizes, that normal BMI is what they call it. Um, when really micromanaging our body is a false sense of control. Um, it, it thinks it makes you think that you'll be safe from, this is the deep deep rooted stuff, right? It makes you sure. think that you'll be safe from discomfort and pain and rejection, criticism, um, any other uncomfortable feeling you can list. Um, and the fact is I, I see clients in all size bodies and, um, when they're in pain, um, when they are struggling with food and their body, um, weight loss has never actually fixed any of that, um, mm-hmm. at their smallest, 
in, you know, whether it's a clinical eating disorder um, or someone who's weight cycling and on that diet wheel, um, they're never happy. It's never enough. There's never enough thinness. Um, I also think there's this huge... um, Oh yeah, billion dollar diet industry, right? Oh <laughs> sure, let's talk about a that. a lot of money. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> That's real. And I mean, it's so tricky too because um uh, just the older I get and the the more I put myself under um thinkers and teachers and leaders like you um who are leading us into a healthier space, I feel like I'm becoming more media literate on um those messages that we're receiving and what to me what um, where it gets muddy from the diet industry, from this whole, you know, literally take up less space industry is that it's so often marketed as, um, body positive, you know, it's so marketed as we here at our company, at our space at our corporation, we love you. Like we love women, we love your bodies, and therefore we are here to help you love it. And so it is like the poison apple, honestly, because um, the truth is, as you mentioned, they're making billions of dollars off of our body shame. Um, And know that we'll be back, you know, it's not going to hold. So I, um, I'm trying to train my daughters. I have a 18 year old, I have a 13 year old and you know, this is where the rot sets in. It's, you know, it's not, it starts early, obviously. And I'm trying to train them to see through that, to see through those messages, to hear some of that underlying, um, the underlining idea that your life is unhappy and you are unhappy and we're here to fix it. And, um, but it takes some, it takes some real savvy, um, cause it's yeah. a clever industry. I mean, they know what buttons to press. They're very obvious. Um, I want to, I want to ask you a question. You mentioned it earlier and I just, I wonder if you can expand just a little bit. So as you've said, thin privilege exists, it's real. So again, not invented. So as much as we're expanding our visage as a culture to include, more images of different sized people. And that is true. I see progress there. Um, it's still the prevailing idea, right? Like thin is king, thin is queen. Um, can you talk more about what you think thin privilege is? Like how does this manifest and how we can work to dispel it? Mm, really good question. And this is something, this is a conversation I've, I've seen a lot of um, specifically recently in the online, in the um, social media world. So I'm excited to take a stab at it. But, Mm. um, you know, everyone's individual experience is different and they're all valid. However, um, people who inhabit this like genetically smaller body, they don't face the Mm -hmm. same reality as people in larger bodies. And that's a hard fact. Um, Ignoring this fact is like looking outside at the thunderstorm or the rain and continuing to turn your head and say, it's not raining. It's not raining. And, you know, it it gets us nowhere except soaked, really wet. We keep going outside and getting wet and then wondering why. Um, So this concept of thin privilege is really hard to understand. I will say that. And um, I want to say this, talk about this with a lot of compassion to those who might be hearing this term for the first time. I would like to invite them to sit with the discomfort that might come up with that that term, thin privilege, because I am raising my hand the first time I heard it, the first time I got called out for having thin privilege. I had all kind of uncomfortable feelings coming up. So sure. I'm, I'm saying this if, you know, to anyone listening who might have these um, uncomfortable feelings arise, um, note it, write it down, talk about it with other people. Um, you don't have to f- um, feel thin in order to actually have this ease of existing in society. That's another way of saying thin privilege, mm. having an ease of just existing in the world that we live in. Um, so what might that look like? Um, not being shamed for your food choices or having assumptions made about your lifestyle, your health or your shape. You can fit comfortably in airplane seats and not have to buy two. You can find comfy chairs in restaurants or providers' offices you aren't told that your body contributes to the quote unquote obesity epidemic. You aren't attacked online for what you look like. 
going to the doctor and actually having them listen to your symptoms without jumping to prescribing weight loss. So if you go in with an earache, a sinus infection, they, they don't automatically jump to, well, what are you doing to lose weight? Yeah. Yeah. Being able to walk into a clothing store and find something in your size. Yeah. Those are, those are probably some of the, um, examples that just come to my head. Um, yeah, come to the top of my head. And I think something else that's important to talk about here, because it's something I've seen in the online space specifically, is that then privilege isn't an attacking term. When we say this, we're not attacking mm. anybody. We're not labeling, shaming anybody who's mm. in a smaller body. Um, it's it's really not even about that individual thin person. This is systemic. Right. This is much bigger and wider than that. Um, and it's about understanding how we may be contributing to diet culture and these problems. Mm while we're working to make the system more inclusive and less oppressive. So, you know, if I am a health at every size practitioner and a client in a larger body walks into my office and all of the chairs in the waiting room have arms on them, Hmm. then I'm kind of undoing the work that I'm doing, right? Because they have nowhere to sit. They don't feel comfortable. They don't feel welcome. Yeah. I, um, it's so true. These, these, are sort of unchecked places in culture that um, it's easy to just overlook or to ignore. Um, How would you suggest just as ordinary consumers of media and culture, normal women walk around in our bodies who are not practitioners like you are, what do we do? um, What do we do to reverse some of this? How how can we help? What what are the things that... um, just a community of women begins to say or do um, that may um, be an agent of change in this terrible diet culture? Um, I think learning as much as you possibly can from from people in different size bodies um, than yourself, different sizes that maybe look differently, have different life experiences, right? So um, if you are, for instance, just scrolling on your Instagram or your um, Facebook or any social media platform and everybody um, that you're following looks the same, Hmm. Um, or is talking about their weight loss or showing before and after pictures, um, any of those kind of like fat phobic messages, um, this, this would be an invitation or an opportunity to start to follow some, some more diverse folks, right? Um, read their, read their memoirs, read their books, listen to them on podcasts. Um, yeah, folks like, and I know you had, um, or let's see, folks like Tess Holliday, Jess Baker, Lindy, Lindy West, Sonia Renee Taylor, Virgie Tovar. And we can link to a lot of these advocates um, probably in the show notes. But uh, I think this is a real opportunity to learn from the, the ones who are actually facing the struggle every single day. Hmm. That is such a great switch to toggle. That's, that seems easy, but it really would have a cumulative effect on what we are consuming and how our brains are thinking. Um, I appreciate that um, really practical, easy step. Hey everybody, Jen breaking in for just a second. I am, as you know, a huge advocate for counseling and feel like sometimes we just need a little guidance from a trusted source who can help us look at things objectively and find a way forward. So BetterHelp Counseling, it's an online resource that offers licensed professional counselors, and they're specialized in issues like depression and stress, anxiety, relationships, family conflicts, grief, honestly, you name it so much more. Um, You can connect with a professional counselor in a safe, private, absolutely confidential online environment. Uh, You can even schedule secure video or phone sessions or chats or texts with your therapist. And so best of all, it is truly affordable, which hinders a lot of us from good counseling. And so for you guys, the listeners of the For the Love podcast, BetterHelp is giving you 10% off your first month with the discount code for the love. So if you're needing a little help getting to that good change in your life, go to betterhelp.com slash for the love. Okay. So one more time, betterhelp.com slash for the love using the code for the love. Okay. Back to our show. 
to talk about food for a minute. Um, so for me, food is awesome. I think food's awesome, period. I, um, I'm a foodie and I love cooking and I love flavors and I, there's nothing better for me than to eat with people that I love or cook for people that I love. And so, um, I just, I equate um, memories and love with food. That's, that's how that all goes for me. So, um, we actually recently had Gretchen Rubin on our show and she said something that, that just really made me think she said, sometimes, sometimes it is okay to like soothe ourselves or comfort ourselves on occasion with food. Like if we've gone through something horrible or, um, we've had just some, sometimes food is very nurturing. Like it's, it's almost like a little gift. Um, and so maybe that isn't the terrible catastrophic idea, um, that we've been told, but when, whenever we, whenever food is a comfort at all, we, we curse ourselves for our lack of willpower and this sort of guilty cycle begins again. And uh, it feels like if we were more in tune with what our bodies are telling us, um, and not what a diet plan is constantly telling us that we may be able to break and this kind of unhealthy cycle. Um, so in your practice, I read that you use a tool called intuitive eating and I, I think this is, I want to hear more about this. I think my listeners probably do too. Can you speak to what it means to, to turn, to learn how to tune into your body in a different way that isn't so deprivation oriented? Um, and then I wonder if you could just kind of expand what is intuitive eating and how can we learn to use it? I love this question. And I, I agree with you. I think food is emotional. Food will always be emotional. There's always going to be memories and celebrations tied to food. And so we certainly don't want to become robots and turn off all of, all of that. And, um, you're right. I think there needs to be this kind of removal of the the shame around having a bad day yeah. and crying into your ice cream, because sometimes you just need that, right? Sometimes yes. you need that. Um, and that, that's what makes us human. However, I mean, I think it, it obviously can't be the only coping skill. Um, mm. But I, so intuitive eating. Yeah, I love this. I love this question. I love to talk about intuitive eating. It's definitely a tool that I use in my practice. It goes yeah. nicely with a weight inclusive paradigm. Um, but basically, instead of trying to control the size of your body through calorie restriction, intuitive hmm. eating uses your body's natural hunger and fullness signals as an indicator of when, how much, and, and what to eat or make food choices without experiencing um, any of the guilt or shame hmm. that might come, up, yeah. come along with, with a diet um, and, and really honors our health through gentle nutrition. Um, it's beautiful. It's a beautiful tool because we're actually all born as intuitive eaters. Um, hmm. This is our Great this is point. our default. Yep, this is our default mode. And anybody who has children will know this very well because babies know how to cry when they're hungry. They know when to stop eating when they're full. Um, so it's it it's helpful for us to use as a tool to unlearn diet culture. Basically reset back to our default mode or to heal from disordered eating. If if someone's on that spectrum of um, disordered eating or a, a full-blown clinical eating disorder. And mm. one of my favorite, um, just very simple explanations of intuitive eating is a combination of your mind knowledge and your body knowledge. I love that okay. so much. Yeah. I, I, um, this is so, as you know, different from what we're usually taught. This, it's just, it flies in the face of it. And so I can imagine that you probably have an uphill climb sometimes with your clients, um, to sort of deprogram from the ways we've been taught to think about food and approach it, um, to this sort of the mind body connection, which I believe that too. I do. Mm -hmm. I deeply believe that. And, um, we've just made enemies out of our bodies. Um, and we don't trust it. And it, I, um, this very much resonates with me. So here's my next question, because I have a big family and uh, I've got a lot of kids. We've got five kids. So I wonder what you would say to, to what would you say to women um, who are wanting to help their families adapt this approach to eating? Like, how do we help our children develop a healthy relationship with food? Mm, really good question. Um, I think this is also how we can make make this change in the world 
for our next generations, right? This is um, kind of answering your question from from earlier. This is the next step we can we can make, and that's mm. modeling a way of eating um, that really is about uh, honoring our body and taking care of our body from a, a self care point of view. Mm-hmm. Um, I think you know this this means talking about what our bodies do for us about body trust and affirming that all bodies deserve to take up space um, mm-hmm. instead of how we need to be constantly changing that outward appearance. Um, right. So it, it's, it's just a, it's a shift. It's a, it's a, a different focus, a different way of approaching mm-hmm. it. One way you can do that with food is to have a value in your home of food neutrality, um, meaning that there are no good foods or bad foods. We don't need to to earn foods. So we don't, um, Hmm. our eating might not, doesn't need to look different on the weekends versus the weekday. We don't, um, need to quote unquote, like burn calories to be able to eat food. Mm. Our our body is a machine. It can do it on its own. It will always burn calories, whether you're sitting on Mm. the couch or that's true. Yeah. Or moving your body. So, you know, um, presenting food to your family in a way where the, the cookie and the apple hold equal kind of moral value. Um, Mm. so that, that innate ability to just eat isn't clouded or changed through, oh my gosh, I think, you know, I will be better if I'm eating more fruits and vegetables where they're able Mm. to just choose, am I wanting something crisp and fresh and Mm -hmm. kind of tangy right now? Or am I wanting something really sweet and dense and soft where they're able to keep that for as long as possible um, Mm. going out into the world? Because kids are really good at that if it's not interrupted. Um, You know, having a diverse diversity of food in the house, um, having regular eating patterns. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, modeling to your kids that skipping breakfast is not something that is really honoring our body that, you know, taking mm-hmm. time in the morning for yourself to make some oatmeal, whether that be in the microwave or on the stovetop, um, an ego waffle or scrambled eggs, you know, whatever mm-hmm. it is to really model that like, Hey, eating food is how we get our body, give our body nourishment to start the day. Right. Mm-hmm. That's great. I've all, I've worked really hard too, um, to curb my language in front of the kids. And just in terms of what I am saying about food personally, what, what I'm choosing to eat. And, you know, they just pick up on that so much. They know when we personally have a really unhealthy relationship with food and that mm-hmm. we feel really badly toward our bodies. Like that is not a mystery, um, to our kids when that's the way that we talk. And that's what they see. I'm, I'm, I am super aware of that now and wanting my kids to see something a little bit more well-rounded and a little bit, um, a little bit healthier. Hey everybody, Jen dropping into the show for just a bonus minute. Okay, look, this is a message for my fellow sisters out there who may share this dilemma in a certain category of shopping. I don't know how you feel, but for me, bra shopping is the worst. So like figuring out your size, whether you need padding or underwire, what kind of neckline and fabrics, just whatever. I end up just grabbing one off the rack that looks kind of right and hope I can just breathe in it. So happy news. I have found an online service that makes bra shopping a whole new experience. Third Love uses these data points generated by literally millions of women who have taken their fit finder quiz. Um, and so they design bras with breast size and shape in mind for this, for really a perfect fit, a premium feel. I'm wearing the bra that they said, this is the one for you. And they were exactly spot on right. And listen, they have more than 70 sizes. Okay. Including, gosh, I've been waiting for this my whole life. Their signature half cup sizes and This is awesome. Every customer has 60 days to wear it and wash it. And if you don't like it, you can return it and Third Love will wash it and donate it to a woman in need. So right now they're offering my listeners here at the show 15% off your first order. So here's what you do. Go to thirdlove.com slash for the love to get your perfect fitting bra from the comfort of your own home and 15% off your first purchase. So it's thirdlove.com slash for the love for 15% off today. All right, back to our show. 
would like to talk to you about a difficult subject that you have some real expertise in. Um, I'd like to talk for just a minute about eating disorders because there's so much shame around that term. Um, but I mean, as you know, so many people struggle with an eating disorder privately, secretly in silence. They don't know um, what to do or what to say. And so, um, you've very much cultivated an expertise in this area. So can you tell us what the, um, RD community has to say about eating disorders right now and some of the myths surrounding eating disorders and then ultimately how to, um, receive help or ask for help if either you or somebody that you love is suffering here? Yeah, really great question. I think all of my colleagues work incredibly hard to um, really erase that that stigma around eating disorders and yes. making it up equal up there with like, no one is ashamed to talk about a physical disorder that they have or illness. Um, right. Yet on, on mental health um, issues and eating disorders are a mental health disorder. There's yes. still a lot of that that shame. Like we shouldn't be talking about this. Um, it's up there, right up there with infertility, right? These things are still for some reason in 2019, something that we carry with us um, or carry a lot of shame with us if, if we're suffering from them. So I think all of my colleagues, all of the advocates and allies out there are, are doing that work to try and break that stigma. Um, yes. And, you know, there's a good reason I mean, not only for those struggling so that they can heal, but also um, there's a lot of people who don't know that they're struggling or have been told mm. that they're not based on interesting. The, yeah, based based mm. on the body that they live in. So I think you you wanted um, you asked me to talk about some of the myths out there, and yeah. this is a perfect segue into um, eating disorders affect people in all size bodies. Um, mm. Somebody can be struggling with an eating disorder and not be emaciated or even thin. So we have a lot, you know, I think if you just asked a random person um, on the street what they envision someone with an eating disorder to look like, it would probably come out as um, that very thin, emaciated, sure. usually white, young female, right? Yeah, and, right. and that is actually a, a real small percent of the people who are struggling with a clinical eating disorder. So it is it is true that someone can have anorexia nervosa and not lose a ton of weight. It's true that they can be in a higher weight body and have um, all the same struggles and hmm. um, s symptoms that someone in a smaller body has. And we, we also call that anorexia. Um, yeah. Yeah. And in the same way that um, binge eating disorder or bulimia, binge eating disorder does not only occur in folks in higher weight bodies, which is, again, is another kind of way our brain wants to think. However, I have mm. clients of all different sizes um, who struggle with binge eating disorder. I appreciate you saying that. I'm just positive there's somebody listening who feels understood and maybe seen it because you said that. Um, and yet the statistics on eating disorders, particularly with young girls, is they're through the roof. I mean, just absolutely through the roof and, and affects so many. So let's just say somebody's listening and they, at whatever body they are in, um, feel like they are struggling with an eating disorder, or maybe it's somebody precious to them, somebody important to them. Um, can you just suggest first steps or next steps or resources or it, what would you say to that person? Yeah, and um, and shout out to that person if you if you mm -hmm. are listening because I know exactly what your eating disorder is telling you. No matter what size body you're in, or what you look like, or what your background is, um, that that voice always says that you aren't thin enough. Always, right. always, always, always. It will always say that you're not sick enough. Um, and so I think a, a mm. big message that I want to um, hopefully convey is that that you are you always deserve help. You there's no mm. shame in reaching out and asking somebody. Um, telling somebody that, hey, I think I'm struggling. My life is miserable. Um, mm. There's no shame in that. And there are tons of practitioners out there that are wanting to be on your side and help you. Um, so you don't have to do this alone. Um, you know, yeah, one of the best or easiest ways to reach out is is to even use the hotline um, on the NIDA website or the phone line there. Um, that's a great mm. way to get started. Um, you can always reach out to myself and I will mm. um, help you find a practitioner as well. Um, I will also give you a link for the show notes of another okay. another website where um, they can locate a practitioner. But reach out. Mm. Always reach out. 
Thank you for that. Um, kind of staying in the zip code of just uh, vulnerability with food. Um, let me just ask you this because, uh, I just think this is kind of a, of a conversation very rarely heard. Um, sometimes for some of us eating in front of other people feels very, very vulnerable, um, because we nourish ourselves differently. And, Obviously, people have a ton of opinions about how other people should feed themselves and their families, right? This is where people just butt right in. Um, and so if that is if that is your, one of your clients, how would you say, um, how do we eat in front of other people comfortably? And what do we do with people who want to comment on what we're eating or what we're cooking? And, um, and if there's a gathering, maybe what do we serve when other people come over so that everyone feels like included? How do we make our tables welcoming and non-judgmental? And how, how do, how do our tables become safer? Mm, Such a good question. And I think first of all, just a ton of compassion to those out there um, who may be in this position and maybe you're the one in the position who has commented on someone else's food. I mean, I think we all have. So I think, you know, I, I want to be very careful, um, to, to say, Hey, I've been there as well. Um, it's again, we are all steeped in this diet culture. So it sometimes pops out of our mouth before we even know what just happened. Hmm. But, um, I, th- I think that's part of the unlearning and to do that with, um, compassion and, and kindness to yourself and grace. Um, but I, th- you know, when I work with someone in my office who, um, is maybe facing these conversations, whether they're going to a family gathering or they're going to their school lunch table or, or whatever it might be, we really start with a strong foundation with, with strengthening their foundation, um, understanding what their values are around food. So that bedrock, they need a bedrock. And, um, so, you know, we, we might talk a lot about that. We might journal about that and do several exercises to, to nail down what is important to them about food. And I think having that first of all, when maybe most of your life you've had a different idea of someone else telling you what, um, food should look like for you or in your body. Um, I think that's the first and really important hmm. step. Um, I think learning boundaries is paramount. Um, and yes. we do a little bit of that in the dietitian office and we do a lot of that in the therapy office. Um, mm. so being prepared to, or, or knowing your options when that diet, um, chit chat starts, knowing your options, um, be prepared to either, um, say nothing at all and mm. preserve your energy, um, to, and to reground yourself, be prepared to maybe you have the option to shut down the diet talk. You have the option to change the subject, right? So hmm. knowing what your boundaries are, when you're going to use them, um, and maybe some role-playing with your dietitian or your therapist um, of different ways you might navigate questions hmm. or comments that come come your way. Um, uh, yeah, gatherings are tough. They really are. Yeah, but I like how, um, I like how you address that because we are not powerless here. You know, we're not necessarily always just going to be a victim to the conversation or to somebody else's opinion. It is possible to course correct. It is possible to draw boundaries. It is possible to change the conversation. So we do have some power um, in that, that we may just not be exercising. And sometimes we just need someone like you, who's a practitioner, give us permission to say, no, it's actually okay for you to shut that down. Um, And you don't really have to feed into that toxic discussion, um, that kind of is shame creating. And so I think sometimes just you saying that matters that people hear you say that. Um, okay. Let me ask you this, Haley. So if someone is looking right now for either for a partner or for resources, um, to help us find a nourishing, nurturing way to treat our bodies, um, that we are interested in health, at whatever size we're at, like you said, where would you suggest that we turn? Some books that come straight straight to mind would be um, the Intuitive Intuitive Eating book, and there are actually workbooks now available with that. So there's one for adults and there's one for teenagers, mm. and it's Great. super cool. Um, as well as the book Health at Every Size or Body Respect, um, I have a ton of book recommendations linked on my website as okay. well. So maybe we can link to those. Um, Positively. 
honestly, listening to podcasts, messages like like our conversation today, um, podcasts such as uh, Christy Harrison's podcast, Food Psych, is a great one to get started with as well. Great. So hearing these counter messages to what maybe you had been yeah. taught or what you might be struggling with over and over, podcasts are free. That's right. Yeah. That's right. You just put your, put stick your earbuds in when you're at the grocery store. It really, it. Um, downloading um, d- a different approach of data into your ears, it matters. That, yeah. that practice of changing my input has transformed a lot of areas in my life, not just health. Um, when I decided to put myself under different leadership, it's not a small switch. It's bit. It's may start small, um, but, but but when when you consistently um, learn from teachers or leaders or thinkers who are reversing some of the toxic mentality that you either grew up in or you've adopted in whatever area, faith, um, health, relationships. I mean, for me, it runs the gamut. Um, those turn the tides for me. And so um, it's not a it's it's really useful information for you to say, here's some books to read. Here's some podcasts to listen to. Um, It's crazy how all of a sudden you start believing what you're hearing, just like in the same way that we start believing the negative messaging. Um, It is possible to change our input, change our minds. Hey guys, Jen here. If you guys don't know about this one, you're going to be so pumped. Blinkist. Do you know about Blinkist? It is this wonderful app that takes the very best, like the need to know information from thousands of nonfiction books and condenses them down into just 15 minutes for your reading or listening. Isn't that amazing? You know, I love to read. I love books and I have so many books on my trip to read list. You guys should see the notes in my phone. I will be 120 years old before I can finish them all. So I like Blinkist because like, while I'm just driving my car to Target or whatever, I can stay informed and get the gems of some of the greatest books out there. Like the four hour work week outliers, the story of success by Malcolm Gladwell. One of the best, um, just to name a couple from their massive library. So right now Blinkist has a special offer just for you. So here's what you do. Go to Blinkist.com slash for the love, and you get to start a free seven-day trial. Okay, so it's Blinkist. Let me spell it. B-L-I-N-K-I-S-T. Okay, Blinkist.com slash for the love to start your free seven-day trial. Okay, you guys, back to our show. Okay. Let's wrap this up. I we are asking everybody in the health series these three questions, and so you can just whatever, like top of your head. Here's the first one: What's one small or simple thing that you do every day to take care of yourself? Oh gosh, just one. Um, right, <laughs> just pick one, whatever one you like. <laughs> um, I have a couple coming to mind. Um, okay, but I will. I'll, if I have to pick one, I will say I take the time every morning to make a homemade latte um, with my espresso oh. machine, like manually, and I I love starting the day that way with a warm that warm latte. Is uh, a great answer. I absolutely <laughs> love that. Like, what goes in your latte? I mean, two um, percent or whole milk and uh-huh. espresso. That's it. Yeah. Nice and foamy and frothy. Yes. <laughs> That's, um, I, the reason I am loving this is because coffee will literally get me out of bed in the morning. The thought yes. of it, like just the, the thought, the like yeah. if you get up, you could, you could be having coffee in eight minutes and that makes me happy. And so I appreciate you saying that. I love that answer. How about this one? And uh, you've obviously mentioned a lot of great names. And so, um, who is one, um, teacher of, um, that you would recommend to a friend, um, like somebody who has deeply impacted your physical and mental or spiritual health? I would say, you know, also, uh, you know what I'll say, Brene Brown's work. Um, Oh, yay. Huge fan. I know she's been on on the show here as well, but her books are are ones that time and time again, I mean, I have them tabbed up and down, highlighted, and those quotes are things that that ground me time and time again. Mm. And it's amazing how, um, her books and her work can, can go to 
different areas of my life, different struggles. And then totally. when I reread them, I learn something new again when I reread them. So time and time again, I, I think just Bernays work in um, vulnerability and shame. Yeah. Mm, that's a great um, answer. And interesting how um, if you're willing to read it through that lens, her work very much applies to your field. Um, shame is... Yeah. I mean, that's probably one of your biggest boulders to move out of the path of your clients. And so, yeah, I can see how that would be not just a personal teacher, but even like a clinical teacher for you. Um, here's the last one. And we ask this question of every guest, every series. And just so you know, you, your answer can be whatever, whatever you want it to be. It can be incredibly precious and dear. It can be very, very silly and small. So your, your pick. Um, but it's a Barbara Brown Taylor question. And she says, um, what is saving your life right now? Mm. Right now in this season, in this literal season, it would probably be the fact that I can open my windows in the house again. <laughs> oh, yes. Because you're up in the Northeast. You're in Pittsburgh, right? Yes. And so, uh -huh. um, I, you know, I grew, I'm born and raised, I grew up in Texas. Um, but so it's very different. We don't, we don't really open windows for very long in Texas, but I know right. you know that. But totally. here you have these months out of the year in the spring and the, um, spring and the summer and the fall where it's, I mean, the outside can come inside and it's oh, magical. Magical. Are, are you at window open season up there already? Yes. Getting wow. There. I thought it was still cold. Um, well, we had some snowflakes this morning, but like this weekend okay. is in the 60s. <laughs> Look, I'm Texan. I, I don't have a capacity yeah. for it, but, um, yeah. Isn't it something what an open window will do for you? It, yes. it, that's real. I, my little office, I have like a little office in our backyard. It's just a separate structure. And except for when I'm recording podcasts, if I can, I just leave the door wide open, just mm -hmm. the sunshine and the breeze. And okay. Well, for like a few days out of the year is what I should say. You're right. Um, unless we want to die of mosquitoes and heat stroke. Uh, we don't get to do that all year long, but um, that's fabulous. So um, I'm so thankful that you're on the show today. Really quickly, can you just tell my listeners um, how they can, where they can find you, um, anything on the horizon with um, what's coming up for you? Yes. Listeners can find me. Um, my website's inspirednutrition.com. We can link to that. And yep. um, I'm mostly on Instagram um, okay. at hgoodrichrd, but I do have handles on all most major platforms. Um, love Instagram, love connecting there. So please find Perfect. me so that we can be friends. Totally good for you. Thank you for everything today, Haley. Thank you for your time. Thank you for your healthy approach um, to, to bodies and nutrition. And thank you for being a real friend, um, to women. And, um, as we, uh, want to be healthy and that is a beautiful goal. And so I am so grateful to always be able to put leaders and teachers like you in front of my audience. And so I want them to know listeners, every single thing Haley said, we will have linked over at jenhatmaker.com under the podcast tab, every book, every resource, every podcast, her handles, all of it. So Anything you want, we will have that for you. We'll link over to your book list um, on your website too, Haley. So um, thank you for being on today. I am so, so glad that I've met you and I cannot wait to continue to learn from you. Uh, it was my pleasure. Thank you so much for inviting me. Um, these conversations absolutely make my heart sore. So I am just so excited to be here. Thank you. Look, you can trust anybody who's... Um, daily idea of self-care is a homemade latte, right? That's a trustworthy, that's a trustworthy leader right there. I loved that conversation with Haley and her work very much dovetails into what I'm learning right now about health and body. I mean, I just, I'm, I literally, I'm just sick of being at war with my own body. I'm just sick of it. And so um, this is an area that's really meaningful to me right now that I'm doing a lot of personal work and I am only exclusively listening to leaders like this, um, that are leading us toward health and wholeness. Um, not just thinness and restriction. I, I just, I can't do it anymore. I don't want to do it anymore and I'm not going to do it anymore. So, um, if you, if you enjoyed this, like I mentioned, um, we'll have all these resources at your fingertips. Amanda builds out the most amazing resource page at jenhatmaker.com. It's just go into the podcast tab and pick up on this episode and all of Haley's 
everything she mentioned will be over there. Um, and the transcript. Sometimes I have a lot of listeners say they just like to read the interview sometimes, or they like to read it after they've listened to it or vice versa. Um, and so that is over there for you at any moment. Um, I would love, I would love for you to share this episode with your daughters and your community and, um, the women or men or boys in your life who need to hear a new messaging. So thank you for doing that. Thanks for sharing the podcast episodes that you love. That's one of our favorite things. Also, thank you for subscribing. Our subscriber um, list just grows and grows and grows and it makes it easy. Just shows up right in your phone or wherever you listen to your podcast without you having to try. Um, and so you can click over there and subscribe and rate it or review it. It's just great for us. Thank you. You're such a good listening community. Um, this podcast is just such a joy. So on behalf of Amanda and then our producer, Laura and her team, we're just grateful that you're here and we love doing this work for you. So, um, this whole series is going to be lit. You are not going to want to miss it. Not, not, not. We have amassed an amazing group of experts um, that are leading us toward really nourishing and nurturing ways to care for our minds and our souls and our spirits and our bodies because it all goes together and it all matters. So thanks for listening today, you guys, and I'll see you next week. That's it for today's show. Hope you enjoyed this chat. Be sure to subscribe to my mom's podcast and give it a thumbs up rating if you like it. From the whole Hatmaker family, I hope you have a great week and see you next time.